Welcome into DTC Two Man Show, Stevie and myself. My name is Joe. We have a few things that we didn't get to yesterday that we've been kind of been parked on this list of topics that we haven't gotten to, Stevie. Hopefully, you and I can get to some of this stuff. You and I are both actually headed out of country, ironically to the same place, but not for the same purpose. So let's squeeze out a couple more shows here if we can over the next 24, 48 hours. There's, like I said, the the list of topics. We got derailed on the last show with FP wanting to talk about millennials. A lot of Um, noise on that last show. There was a lot of noise. It was a lot of fun, though. It was always nice to have Razzie on and a little bit of a different take on the same topics that we all talk about all the time, specifically the Redskins. But let's not talk Redskins today. I want to get back into the Nationals. I think we deserve to talk. I think we should, and I think the fans deserve a little bit more insight into what actually happened over the last 48 hours with this team. We can talk about the good and the bad. Uh, Rizzo was on the radio this morning also talking about how trade waivers happen all the time, and as people outside of the industry, we may not even realize it or recognize it. Teams have limits to how many players they can actually put on waivers at a time. I think he mentioned five or six. There's a whole bunch of different parts to uh, the the, the small exodus of, of two I'm going to say key players or influential players that actually ended up leaving the organization yesterday. But we can also talk about the one that drove himself down in a monsoon, uh, came down here and played the hero role yesterday as well. So let, let's just kind of let's pump the brakes on the, the big talk about the Nats. Um, they're not going to be challenging for a World Series. They're likely not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to play 87% win uh, baseball the rest of the way here. So let's not talk about that stuff. Let's just talk about Rizzo and the job that he's done. Over the last couple of weeks, now there's reports coming out as well, uh, I don't know if you saw this one, that he he was almost getting into, or he was about to get into a physical altercation. Yeah, like, and he's, that's not a small dude, and and I know Rizzo comes off as a, you know, like a scrappy Italian, and I get it, uh, but that's still, <laughs> I mean, he, he's, this is a, you know, I would, I would venture to say, and I don't think this is a surprise, that you know, fighting, little like fist fighting is not something that old guys should be engaged in, but he doesn't seem like he backs down from anybody. But um, let's talk a, a little bit about what happened last night. Obviously, the rain delay. Let's go, let's go good story first. Do you know anything? Do you know anything about the gentleman that drove himself from Syracuse, New York to Nats Park only to make it just in time for a rain delay, only to be told by the manager that he may get in, only to get into the game and to ultimately hit a, a, a two-run shot to win the whole thing? Luckily, I, I do know something. Okay, <laughs> of course this you is do. Part of, part of my hobby here is, is knowing things. Uh, Andrew Stevenson. I mean, he's a kid who, um, you know, has had his chance here a, a couple times. He's been called up for injuries to Michael A. Taylor at Adam Eaton. Uh, he's a backup outfielder, lefty. Got nice power, as we saw yesterday. Hit his first home run. Uh, went down to Syracuse, and and you know, he'll admit it. He had some ups and downs there, but. What he said, actually, you know, a couple of weeks ago down in Syracuse, is that he had figured some stuff out. And clearly yesterday, I mean, he looked a lot more comfortable at the plate, a lot more comfortable than what he's normally looked uh, like when he was, he's been called up here uh, previous times, and it paid off. I mean, he hits a home run. And I think if, if you see that as a micro – I think there's two schools of people here at, at the moment in Nats world right now. There are people that are, have really lost trust – in the organization and trust in Mike Rizzo are really disappointed by him staying uh, put at the uh, staying pat deadline. deadline. And then are you uh, one of those people? I don't think you're one of those. People. No, I, I was going to say I'm in that second school, which thinks, look, the, the future is bright. I think, and I think Andrew Stevenson as a microcosm is, you know, displayed that yesterday where you have a lot of young talent. You got a lot of young uh, players coming up the ranks 
And people that you look at, Victor Robles, Juan Soto, Eric Fetty, Carter Keboom, uh, Andrew Stevenson. I mean, you just listed five, I just listed five key players that can make an impact as early as next season. And Robles and Juan Soto, clearly Juan Soto's rookie of the year this season. And Robles will be up here in a couple weeks. So uh, I, I think the future is bright. I, I, I'm a Rizzo guy until I, uh, until he shows me a reason not to be. And, Again, I, I know your angle is with Davey Martinez and Dusty Baker, and um, I think that's a little overblown. But I, I you know, cede to you if, if you had some thoughts on uh, what Davey Martinez is doing this year. But I, I really don't. I think he's I, I mean, they're not thoughts. They're really, they're really like, you know, as a fan who's just, I mean, I'm not in the clubhouse. I don't see the interaction between the players, you know, and, and the manager. I see like bits and pieces, right? And it's the same thing that everyone else sees, and it's the same thing that, that people that cover the team write about. You know, at times they seem distant. At other times, it seems like players, especially like the the studs on the team, Bryce Harper in particular, really like the guy. And I think that's important. But I think he's also got to manage. And and you look at this roster top to bottom. You can't say it's any better or worse uh, than it was last year. And and it, this is you know the only X factor is really the manager. I, I don't know what the other X factors were. There was injuries last year. There's injuries this year. There was. Uh, you know, Strassi missed a big chunk of time last year. He missed a big, big chunk of time this year. Um, the, you know, the big delta, you know, as far as the player performance, last year Harper didn't go, you know, two months basically in a. He didn't have a two month slump. Um, but right now he's on the way. He, I mean, he's he's batting much better right now. And maybe maybe the home run derby and all the the you know the um, like the celebrate the celebratory atmosphere of like All Star Weekend being or you know here in DC made a difference. I, I don't know. But the manager is really the big delta between these two teams, Stevie, and it's hard not to look at him and say, you know, even when by his own admission, when he says stuff, and I can only imagine it's in, in true like uh, genuineness when he says stuff like, you know, Dusty's an old friend, I'll take his call if he calls. Like that, I don't know if that ex- like that doesn't make me more confident in his ability. It makes me question if he really understands like what what he's supposed to be doing or what he needs to be doing to get this team firing on all cylinders. Like there's. There's some question marks around Davey. I don't ultimately. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Um, he, he's not costing the Nats a whole lot. The, the Nats don't have a history of of letting guys go after one season. I, I think uh, Matt, I may be wrong on that. Actually, Matt Williams. He went. I think he was two seasons. Yeah, two seasons. Yeah, yeah so, one playoff so I, I don't think the learners are thinking they're going to have to let him go. But I mean, you got to you got to figure the leash is really short come next season if if things start off the same way that they're ending here. That's not. Uh, I mean, assuming that the trend stays where it's at, that they're basically playing 500 baseball the rest of the way here. Now, if they get hot, I, I still don't think they're going to challenge for a postseason, uh, a, you know, a spot in the postseason. But maybe things start to change a little bit here. But you gotta. It's hard to not look at Davey and say you own some of this mess too, right? I mean, Rizzo Rizzo's job is not to manage a team on a day to day basis, which he has had to do especially over the last like three, four weeks. I mean, it's well-documented. He was down in the clubhouse. He was doing, he was doing Davey's job in, in many regards. And, and you know, the manager ultimately is responsible for troubleshooting and managing the players, the, the, the egos and everything else that comes with a major league clubhouse. Um, and the response, especially to a guy like Sean Kelly, wasn't to try to fix anything. It was to send him packing. Sure. And, and, and I think that's a fair point to, the idea that Davey's really been coddled by Rizzo and this organization in the sense of, I mean, over the past two weeks, what really has undone this team, both in Chicago with that colossal meltdown, uh, Grand Slam walk-off, and then in St. Louis, another walk-off the next night, 
has really been the bullpen. And what has caused the bullpen problems, number one, has been injury to Sean Doolittle, Kelvin Herrera, and Ryan Manson. But then the secondary part of it is the trading of Brandon Kinsler and Sean Kelly. And really the reason that was done is because Davey wasn't able to handle the clubhouse, which Rizzo took offense to Sean Kelly glaring at the clubhouse in a 25-1 game against the Mets and Kinsler being an anonymous source to the post that the clubhouse was in disarray. And you, you, you have to wonder if there was a more established, proven veteran manager that could really manage the clubhouse and wasn't as fragile and didn't need to be as protected as Davey, would those two guys still be here? And could they have contributed uh, you know, down the stretch with that bullpen and really turned this season around? I mean, the other point I want to make is that we're really not that far off. I mean, people think that Rizzo sold the farm a couple days ago by trading Matt Adams and Daniel Murphy. Well, let's look at something. Daniel Murphy is a complete liability on defense. Absolutely, his bat is incredible, and there's there's a reason his his middle name is Hits uh, Daniel Hits Murphy. But Matt Adams is a backup, nice to have first baseman. Ryan Zimmerman's been playing on fire. His bat has been incredible these last couple of weeks. So really, you didn't lose much well, with the Matt well, Adams. I, I'm going to challenge and, that a little bit, right? Cause especially with with Hits Murphy, right? Because he's a what? He's batting 340 with a 940 on base percentage. He, he's worth a lot more than what they got for him had they moved made this move. Yes, know, at the trade deadline. What I'm saying is, you're not on the field talent. You replaced him with Will Merdifo, who last night Will Merdifo hits a massive upper deck home run. And again, I know it's one game, but Will Merdifo, when put into situations to be an everyday player has proven that he can hang with the big boys. And so if Wilmer Defoe can supplement and kind of replace what Daniel Murphy's given you, you haven't thrown in the towel on the season. What you've done is you've really positioned yourself to get something back for guys that you either A, think are over the hill, or B, you think will not be back here next year and are free agents. So I don't know. I, I, what I saw yesterday is a resilient team. I mean, the bottom line is they have a three-game a homestand against the Phillies and they took game one with, with a rain delay and uh, who was pitching yesterday was Tanner. And then today we got the return of Strasburg and Scherzer on Wednesday. I mean, they have are really set themselves up to hopefully sweep this uh, series against the Phillies. And then who knows, you know, the Braves, the Braves are playing good ball, but you know, we'll get them another three times. Um, uh, it wouldn't be the most far-fetched thing to see them oh, make. Oh come a run. on! You, you don't you don't believe that? You <laughs> don't believe just, that for one second? I'm st- I'm starving for playoff baseball and meaningful baseball. I can't believe we're gonna go in a September with no meaningful baseball here. It's crushing. But what it's are, it's, I, but it's highly probable to happen. I think I think you have to you know recalibrate here a little bit. They're they're not gonna make the postseason. Stevie. What do and, I have to look forward to? I got a pregnant wife and a five and eleven Redskins uh, pr- uh, prediction. I, I think you I should look forward to having a you know a child on the way. I, I mean, got nothing. Yesterday you were, you wanted to be uh, you know introduced as father of the year, and today you're <laughs> today you're complaining. I got nothing. Is all I'm saying. Okay, and well, the Redskins give me nothing. The well, the, let's let's not talk about the Redskins. Uh, it's it's too easy to go down that rabbit hole. Um, you know, but with the Nats in particular. It's it's hard it's hard to look at this team and be excited. I mean, I'll be honest. Knowing that that uh, you know Steven Strasburg is going to pitch tonight, I'm a little excited to watch. But what are you going to get out of him? What's a, what's a Steven Strasburg you know night at the park? If you're if you're showing up tomorrow, I think you're planning to game, go to the game tonight or tomorrow. 
you know, you're looking for what four innings out of the guy, five innings? Because why no, do you want to pitch his arm off at this point? No, I, I think at this point you want to know that Strasburg's going to be a guy that you could throw out there for seven innings. I mean, he's been out for three months, three months, three to four weeks with you know these very minor injuries. I mean, he he's been coddled by this team. He needs to go out there and pitch seven innings of really nice ball and really show that, you know, he's not as fragile as uh, the rap has been on him. So, no, he needs to go out there and pitch like an ace. He's getting paid like an ace. He's got to pitch like an ace no matter when he gets but put out But, again, we, we know that Rizzo's not going to – he's going to defend him, you know, to heaven and back. And, and Davey's not the guy who's going to tell him to suck it up and get out there. And Max has tried that approach too and it hasn't worked. So, there's, you know – it, it, I don't know what you gain from having him out there. I, that, that's the honest truth. If he goes, if he looks good in four innings, do you really need him to go six? Like, are you honestly still trying to do something here? Uh, that that's the part that's unclear to me. I, I I'm not really sure what to expect or what what the rest of the season should look like for the Nats. Are you evaluating talent? You know, do we take a, a page out of the NFL playbook when you know the postseason is lost? Do you start looking at your you pull the shanty and start evaluating talent, or do you are you legitimately trying to win? And I know they're professionals and they want to win. But, I mean, can you really risk long-term injury for nothing? Isn't that well, it's hard if, to say, right? It's if every time Strasburg goes to the mound, you're risking long-term injury, then you have 175 million reasons to question why he's on the team. I think you treat him just like you treat Max. You treat him just like an ace. You treat him just like a workhorse. Um, and I think there are and again this might be a bigger topic for another show but i think there are a lot of storylines going into september uh that will make this team watchable and a lot of them won't include the playoffs but uh you know the 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 introduction of victor robles and the beginning of his reign here he'll be up here in a couple of weeks joe ross coming back from tommy john i definitely want to see him i mean that's a great uh potential pitcher uh lined up for next season if if his stuff looks like it did before he got injured, uh, and of course, uh, you know Max going for twenty wins. He's sixteen and five right now. Uh, he'll definitely have his chance to get to twenty, and he looks like he's locked up a third consecutive Cy Young. Which I mean, is that incredible. guy just doesn't stop. Doesn't stop. He doesn't. He doesn't understand how to dial it back. And I, I well, love I it. hope I he doesn't it. stop because yeah. he's thirty three, going on thirty four next season. Th- that could be a question mark going into West Palm Beach in February. Is is where he's at, but hopefully not. This team's got enough question marks. I got, you're right. I got, I got a couple of um, college football topics that have been parked for a while. The Urban Meyer mess at Ohio State and the Maryland, uh, the, the, you know, the, the unfortunate situation at Maryland just up the street here. Well, I also want to talk about Tiger. Uh, I, I mean, I know that uh, that's your boy. And used to uh, people don't boy. know this, but Stevie used to rock the red to uh, before it was a caps thing to church on Sundays. In honor of Tiger, I mean, how Thunder much Tiger? Best. How Red much best. Tiger have you watched in the last month or so? Well, I watched uh, the majors, so I sure. watched him at the British and I watched him at the PGA. Um, By the way, I'm not a golf see. guy. I'm not golf guy, but I really like what they're doing with the uh, with the schedule starting next season. Um, they basically have a major tournament every month from April to August, so there's no like in between weird uh, invitationals that that some people care about and some people don't. There's basically a major contest every single month from April um, all the way through August, which is nice. It'll be, it'll be consistent consistent competition on the uh, on the on the tour. But um, I mean, I don't have a lot to say about Tiger. 
he looked much better the last out. I'm sure everyone's back on. The odds makers look like they're back on him as well to, to maybe, maybe regain some of his uh, his previous form. He just looked better. And when Tiger, well, uh, when Tiger looks better, people watch. Absolutely. I was going to say, I, I think their new schedule, they're just reading the tea leaves. And when they see, you know, viewership up 31% on Sunday, the PGA Championship, it's an obvious choice. I think the conundrum with Tiger is that we saw him as the most dominant figure in sports for, you know, almost a decade long period. We saw him as a shell of himself uh, uh, for another decade. And I think he's really finding a sweet spot in the middle of that. I think he's finding himself as a really, really, really great competitive golfer who's going to be in the thick of things on Sunday at, at major championships for the next couple of years, uh, you know, obviously if he doesn't get hurt. But I think we're, we're trying to come to terms with that, that he's not going to be the dominant Tiger that when he's in the lead after 54 holes uh, on a major championship on Sunday, it's lights out. I think we're, we're not going to see that ever again, but we're not going to see the shell of himself that really couldn't walk up, you know, yeah. the green on, on 18 um, for, for so long. So I think he's trying to ease back into kind of where he fits into things. Where he fits into things is a damn good golfer with an incredible swing that can contend for every major championship, just like Jordan Spieth, Roy McIlroy, uh, Mickelson, all these guys. But so those guys just don't have the the sex appeal. Yeah. No, no pun intended. Well, of very, uh, <laughs> no pun intended. I think of, there's a of lot Tiger. of uh, waitresses in Fort Lauderdale that would agree with you on that. Well, Jupiter, he got his mojo over. back, and I, you know, I've been saying this for a while. I'm borrowing it slash stealing it from Clay Travis. He, when he gets his mojo back, you know, you know that he's he's uh, doing uh, he's doing certain things, you know, you know, off the green, and that that's where that mojo is coming from. And personally, I don't care. Um, but I mean, I don't care about golf, but I care when he's playing on a Sunday and he's rock and he's wearing that red shirt. So, um, but we'll see what happens with him. I mean, he looks better and I think that's better for sports. It's better for golf in particular. Let's, let's switch gears here. Um, urban Meyer, DJ Durkin, fantastic piece in the USA today, uh, last week, basically calling both of them out as terrible. Uh, you know, they've failed as football coaches and more importantly, as human beings, how closely have you watched either of these stories or, or read up on either of these stories with, uh, Meyer potentially well, I, I, covering up for his wide receivers coach who, by the way, is replaceable by me or you at that school and at that position. Mm-hmm. And then obviously DJ Durkin, um, you know, still yet to be seen what will happen at Maryland, but obviously that that situation resulted in a death. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't want to belittle one and say one is worse than the other. I mean, death is always going to be worse than than domestic violence if it if it results in death. Um, but these are these are two. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to to really put into words uh, when you say somebody's failed as a human being. I mean, that's a that's a big charge. But let's talk about Urban Meyer here for a second. Do you think he survives this as the head coach? Basically, for indirectly lying or directly lying to both his AD and now claiming that his wife uh, didn't never told him about the domestic violence uh, that was going on, you know, at the hands of one of his uh, his uh, his assistant coaches or his position coaches. I mean, where do you, where do you land on all this? Not not the domestic violence piece, but specifically what should happen with Urban Meyer if he's found to have either withheld or covered up, which it looks like he has in both cases. Yeah, well, let's just where I land is I'm anti-domestic violence. Yes, uh, we okay, very good. <laughs> Go on record for that. Okay. Um, uh, does he survive? Absolutely, because college sports, NCAA, is essentially the devil, and 
these are some of the most corrupt institutions in our land. And so, you know, dollar is king over there. And as long as he's making that university money, then yeah, he's going to survive and he'll be fine. And uh, he didn't forget how to run an offense or, you know, he didn't forget how to recruit players. So, you know, he's doing what he's supposed to be doing for that university and they'll cover it up and they'll take care of him. And it really goes down to the corruption of, you know, the NCAA in both stories and, and how, you know, we're really entrusting them. And I know it's hard to see these athletes as children because most of them are probably double our size. You're talking right. about you know, gigantic kids, but they're really just kids at this point. And we're entrusting, you know, these adults, and I use that in air quotes, uh, to really take care of these kids. And they're showing that they failed on so many levels. And, and you know, Joe Paterno and, and all these different stories that you read. It is essentially, and there's another story that is, you know, pseudo related to this is going on in, in, in the Catholic Church of Pennsylvania, which is basically there are predators that are finding their way into institutions and environments and professions that have access and um, influence over children and are misusing it. And that needs, um, we need to change the institutions and that goes across the board. Uh, we don't I'm with you. So I'm with you on that. I, I'm not going to comment on the church piece, but I, I don't disagree with anything you said. Uh, but with with both of these guys, with Meyer and with Durkin, if the universities, if they had one ounce of credibility in what they actually preach about, you know, uh, you know, as forget about the recruiting piece of it. I mean, these are still educational institutions, right? And they still have, uh, you know, policies in place from plagiarism to whatever. Uh, you know, like they. They have to practice what they preach here, and if they had one ounce of, of actual credibility, they would have fired both of these guys without waiting for an investigation. Now, the Urban Meyer situation is is maybe the only – I mean, I suppose there's always a chance that him and his wife never actually discussed it, but you know what? Over the course of like six years, I'm not buying that. Sorry. And he's trying to throw his AD under the bus, and you know, college football, I agree, it's a dirty – it's a it's a it's a weird and dirty place when things like this happen, but these guys always end up resurfacing. They end up on another team with a similar position or they work their way back through. And, and that's all, that's all fine. The part with Maryland in particular, now this school is up the street from us here in DC. I'm really um, like, this one is just sad. Like Jordan McNair, like there's a lot of failures on actual like team like physios and doctors and training staff and strength and conditioning guy. Maybe DJ Durkin wasn't directly involved in this incident, but he's overseeing a an institution or or a team. I mean, he's he's the captain of a team and he's allowing this hazing and I use that in air quotes here to go on ultimately resulted in someone's death and and like that just can't be brushed aside. And and I understand the university trying to make um, you know, not not that they're trying to make an example at anybody. They've certain they fired some people and they're investigating further. But if you are on the medical staff there, one of the very like few things that you must absolutely always know is how to identify somebody who's not a hundred percent with it. Whether it's heat stroke, whether it's somebody with a, in a mental capacity that's just not right on some specific day, like this, like to wait an hour to call an ambulance is just it's terrible. And I think Durkin has to take responsibility, even if he wasn't directly involved. I mean, do you have an opinion on this story? I know they're going to wear, they're going to, they're going to put uh, seventy nine, I think, on the on the helmets, and they're going to remember them all season and all this stuff, and that's fine, and they should do all those things. But this training staff failed tremendously. If you're a player on that team, if you play for the University of Maryland today, and you're not feeling a hundred percent right, 
how much confidence do you have approaching that your, your training staff and saying, you know, coach, I'm not, I'm not feeling right. You know, if that's the environment there that a guy who's puking on the sideline and can't go anymore, that literally having a heat stroke, if he's not being dealt with in a professional manner, how is anybody with a minor ailment in comparison? How do they have any confidence in their in that coaching staff? I think they all have to go. That that's just my opinion. Do you do you no, see it any I, differently? I absolutely agree, and I think my angle on all this is what is the trickle down effect that this has on you know football in general. I mean, you talk about a story in College Park, which is about you know 20, 25 minutes away from where we live. You know how many families, how many pee wee football leagues right around that area are you know taking their kid to football practice, saying you know. I don't want my kid to be a part well, of. Well, we had a, we got a high school out in Loudoun County, a, a, um, a Parkview High School in Ashburn, out in uh, in Loudoun County, Virginia. They only had fourteen people show up to the varsity team like tryouts. Fourteen is, is Lurch coaching? Uh, I'm not sure. I don't think so. But I mean, they canceled the season altogether and allowed the the, the players that did want to play to transfer to whatever the other schools are in the area. But uh, I mean, it, it's not a direct tangent, but there is a move away from football here. Um, and stories like this, and obviously a player dying, it, it's not going to help anybody. I mean, it, it's I mean, it's terrible for yeah. the family. It's terrible for the school. It's terrible for the other guys on the team. And like I said, there will be trickle down from this. There has been consistently. It, it just continues the trend of uh, bad publicity and bad press uh, for the NFL and the likes of football all across the country. And we're seeing a de- uh, decline in um, in engagement overall. Sure. I mean, people, and you, I mean, that's right. the sample size, I got two kids and they ain't playing football. So, uh, well, yeah, NFL's well, I mean, lost at this point. There you go. Final thoughts here, Stevie, as you uh, prepare for your trip internationally, anything you want to leave the folks with where you're going, what are you doing? Anything fun? I'll be in the motherland. Uh, I'll be in Egypt. We'll be, uh, be attending a wedding for a day. Good friend of both of ours. That'll be fun. Hope, uh, Save me a seat on the beach, okay, Joe? Oh, you got it, man. So we this was uncoordinated, but we're both going to be in the same place at the same time. I didn't know you were coming until you told me yesterday. So I, uh, I'm looking trip. forward. Yeah, looking forward to seeing you on the Red Sea. Uh, Maybe we'll record from over there. We'll, we should totally we record, our- like two beached whales, uh, just sitting in the sun, just baking, having a. <laughs> You know, I was gonna make a heat stroke joke, but that's not that's not good. That's not that's not nice. Um, anyway, thanks for making time, Stevie. Safe travels. We'll see you on the other side, and then back again. Uh, to everyone listening, thank you so much for um, listening. For Stevie, my name is Joe. This has been DTC. Have a great day. We are out.